Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast and happy 2015. We're going to start off the first podcast of the year for the Lancet by revisiting a very important topic and that is the progress of the implementation of the Affordable Care Act health reform in the United States. We last touched on this uh, back in July when we had the special US issue of The Lancet. I'm delighted once again to be talking to my colleague, that's our North American editor, Rebecca Cooney. Hi, Richard. Glad to be here. We're basing our podcast chat on the main editorial in The Lancet, which I know you've had a lot to do with. It's very much a progress report, really, isn't it? It's entitled The Second Act of the Affordable Care Act. I like that title. But let's start off with some numbers, as you do in the editorial. The key thing, I suppose, it's it's all about extending health coverage to as many American citizens as possible. That's the point of the Affordable Care Act. How is it doing numerically in terms of the numbers of people who are now enrolling, particularly with the opening up of these uh, health insurance markets? So it's an interesting situation. It's definitely one of the kind of primary tenets of the Affordable Care Act is to lower the rate of uninsured people. And by way of doing that is to, you know, facilitate these enrollment periods. So as of the last week of December 2014, and which is actually still part of the present enrollment period that goes until February 15th of 2015, there were 6.4 million people that had signed up for 2015 health insurance plans, and that was through the federal website, which is healthcare.gov. And interestingly, of those 6.4 million, about 1.9 million or 2 million people of those were new consumers. Now, where that puts us is pretty far off from some of the projections. And those projections can differ depending on which organizations, um, even within the government, who, who you're talking to. So, for example, the Department of Health and Human Services sort of tasked itself with this enrollment target of about 9 to 9.0 million people. But in contrast to that, back in April 2014, the Congressional Budget Office projected um, more on the order of about 13 million people who would be signed up, selected insurance, and paid premiums through the marketplace for 2015. And then there's sort of this grand master plan of a ramping up that it would be 13 million enrollees in 2015, then that would bump up to 24 million in 2016, and then 25 million in 2017. So pretty aggressive targets. But what also makes it really difficult is even when we get national figures like 6.4 million people, that is a really heterogeneous number because even within the healthcare.gov website, you know, that that sort of manages um, state-run marketplace numbers. It also can include state-run marketplaces through the federal website, federally facilitated marketplaces, and there are so many different components to that. It's, it's really a moving target. But I think by um, at least the middle of February, we'll be seeing a whole new ball game and um, and I think it's it's fair to be cautiously optimistic. Americans are signing up, and we know for sure that the rate of uninsured Americans has gone down somewhere in the ballpark of 18% down to 13%. So it's encouraging, but again, it's a fairly modest percentage. In terms of stages of implementation, anything big happening this year? It's the, This year is the, the employer mandate year, isn't it? It is, and the employee mandate is probably one of the um, more controversial pieces to all of this. And it had been put off and put off, but it is now finally gone into effect, and it, it affects companies that have um, 100 employees or more. So that'll be an interesting thing. There will probably be some challenges ahead um, and legal challenges, if not financial challenges. I know that you know one of the biggest points of opposition has been that it will 
disproportionately affects small business owners who will be um, shouldering this, this financial burden. And what about costs to the individual? I mean, this is the key thing, isn't it, about... And again, this is complex, I realise, because you've got you've got private parts of the insurance market, you've got public parts of it. Presumably the idea, though, is that by creating competition in these marketplaces, you should be driving costs down. Is, is that the experience so far? Is, is that what's going to happen? It's hopefully that's what will happen. But again, it's one of those issues where, you know, there are specific tiers of coverage plans. There are different health insurers in different states or, you know, purely different numbers of health insurers in different states. And those are giving people different options. So, you know, there's a real range. Um, I would say that Kaiser Family Foundation has put out some great resources if you want to look really specifically state by state and for different types of tiers of plans to see how, you know, which, which direction costs have moved, you know, for, for some plans they've gone down, for other plans they've gone up. But it, there's also this, you know, very real effect of states, for example, like Alaska, who just simply have fewer insurers, period. They're going to have fewer options. And, you know, there, there may be up to 30% um, premium hikes in states like that, as opposed to places like California that have this abundance of um, insurers. Although um, the Obama is very sure to, to make people aware that there are now 25% more insurers who are offering plans through um, the federal marketplace. Also, Beck, you mentioned in the editorial there are, are changes concerning Medicaid payments to physicians. Yeah, and, and this is one of those kind of behind-the-scenes changes, um, and it's it's not a good one. That it affects primary care doctors who accept Medicaid, and uh, this comes on the heels of this two-year bump um, in reimbursements that expired at the end of 2014. And there are really likely to be some downstream effects here that are not going to be that far downstream. Health and Human Services indicated that there could be rate reductions on the order of 21%, but then there was also a recent study by the Urban Institute that put that number closer to about 43% of a reduction in fees that primary care doctors could claim. So the real issue, though, is how will this impinge on access to care? So Medicaid already only reimburses physicians about 50% of what um, private health coverage would. So it's really, it's a major hardship for a lot of doctors, you know, who would like to see more patients, would like to see more Medicaid patients, but they're going to be reimbursed even less to do so. And when you step back and look, you know, at a national level, there are so many more Americans who are reliant on Medicaid now. I mean, this is 68 million people or one in five Americans, essentially, um, who rely on Medicaid, at least in some part over the year. So this could shape up to be a really major impediment to um, keeping the Affordable Care Act sustainable. There have been political changes recently in the political landscape, not least the outcome of the midterm elections, which were obviously not good for the Democrats. You now have the Republican Party in control of both houses. Is it scaremongering to suggest that the future progress of the Affordable Care Act may be in jeopardy because of the change in political colour in Washington? There has been this sort of context of concern, I think, in the last um, couple of years especially, that if Republicans gain control of Congress, that it would pretty much signify the death knell of the Affordable Care Act because, you know, there's been such this amount of rhetoric in, in the past few years. Um, John Bain, our Speaker of the House, and uh, Mitch McConnell, who's the Senate Majority Leader, have both been very fervent about their position that as soon as they were in a position to do so, that um, the 
Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, as they like to call it, um, was going to be one of their primary targets as part of their program of, of um, having control of Congress. So, But at least my sense via media coverage so far, just sort of interpreting signals in general, I think there's sort of this growing quietus around um, any calls to repeal the act. And and I think it's almost as though it's being pushed off the radar entirely, at least while there's this, this big transition. Um, and interesting, uh, interestingly, last week, Eric Cantor, who was the former House Majority Leader, um, came out saying, you know, let's not relitigate this, and it's time to move on to other arenas where Republicans might affect change. And so this is interesting because there are, these are new messages that a year ago were not circulating. So I think it might really be indicative of a, a sea change of, of how people are regarding, especially politicians are regarding um, the Affordable Care Act. Finally, Beck, a quick longer look ahead. Just remind us of a very approximate, because uh, there's a lot of detail in the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, just key landmarks ahead. At what point do you think we'll be able to say and get a real sense of, of how successful implementation of the Affordable Care Act has been? Because it's too soon at the moment. It's still early days. And I think there's there are a lot of parallels that can be drawn between the Affordable Care Act and Social Security. And it also faced, you know, tremendous challenges when it was first implemented about how it would be financed and whether their participation program was going to be mandatory. But even for all of its flaws, you know, for the most part, the successful enduring social program, and I think that the Affordable Care Act is kind of poised to be the same type of program. Um, but how we define whether or not it's been a success is really going to come down to a few factors. And the first, I think, is um, shaping public opinion and kind of, you know, removing this political gauze from it and making the entire process more transparent and, you know, looking at it as sort of, you know, this has the potential potential to be a bipartisan achievement. This doesn't have to be this one-sided issue. Numbers are, again, going to be very important. You know, we have to keep enrollment apace with the projection in order to keep buy-in. And, you know, this is a really sort of nebulous suggestion, but there needs to be better alignment between the actions of the federal and state governments and what they're doing to promote specific objectives of the Affordable Care Act. So it's really the put your money where your mouth is um, notion. And I think Medicaid reimbursement is just this prime example where the intentions and the objectives of the Affordable Care Act are not lining up with the implementation and properly compensating physicians. And so that's really going to be fundamental. Really interesting. Good to be talking about it. And um, let's hope it's a prosperous new year for the ongoing implementation of the Affordable Care Act. We'll be covering it, of course, in the months and years to come. But in the meantime, Beck, many thanks indeed for talking to us. Absolutely. Thank you.